0: you know anytime I uh, reached out to somebody I just made columns like you know uh, this this column would be hot a hot column which is you know not a lot of people in it obviously when you're when you're new Uh, there's a warm there's a potential uh, and then there's just a column of people that I know so I would just go through these people you know I try to reach out to 50 to 100 a day uh, seven days a week so a lot of times people will hear that and go oh my goodness 50 people a day you know really when you get after it that takes like three hours uh, and you don't have anything else to do because you're new. So, you know what else are you going to do? Run around and, you know, act like you're busy. So,
1: welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys. Today we have Ryan Mclemore on, and Ryan is got so much going on from being an agent, investor, etc college of foot, football official uh, referee and he has all kinds of other things that we're going to be talking about today most of the, the fact that he's a follow-up maniac um, and how that transcends and gets into all of these different things like including how he even was able to follow up so much he was able to land the wife that he has now but as always Ryan take us into like what is the craziest real estate experience or transaction you've faced so far.
0: Uh, the easiest uh, one to tell, I and mean, first of all, uh, thank, thanks for having me on. I'm pretty excited to uh, to be on the show here. And, uh, but yeah, the first, uh, the easiest story that I can tell is probably when the first listing I ever had was uh, Zambian Missionaries. And I had probably about 20 listings worth of experience wrapped up into that, um, you know, that crazy, crazy experience there. So as soon as we listed, uh, they literally went flew overseas and were in the jungle uh, in Zambia. And so we had to communicate via satellite phone at two in the morning. Um, And it was, it was completely insane. We, uh, you know, as soon as, as soon as we got somebody on the hook, you know, I'm trying to, you know, when you get a buyer on the hook, you got to move pretty quick. You got to get answers. You're trying to negotiate the deal. And, you know, it'd be two or three days before I would get an answer back. And, you know, finally we got down the road and we had a few repairs that, you know, basic repairs that the sellers were on the hook for, I tried to convince them like, Hey, let's just, you know, offer a credit and let's just, that's the easiest way, but no, the, the buyers wanted a few things done. So here we go. We, we get, we get about four or five days uh, away from the close and I'm, I'm kind of on them to say, Hey, you know, let me help facilitate these, these repairs. And lo and behold, they haven't responded to me. Their representative that was still here in the States, he was, you know, MIA, And we get to about two days before close and I get a phone call at two in the morning saying, we're not selling. We are not doing any repairs. We have decided we don't want to sell. And I'm like, Hey, um, in the state of Texas, probably like most States, you as the seller just can't one day decide I don't want to sell anymore. Um, we've got contracts in place and you know, you could not show up to close and it's probably going to be a legal fiasco. Um, but anyway, I was able to keep those buyers on the hook for three more months. I finally convinced my sellers to come back from Zambia. Let's, you know, they, they had a choice where they could sign at the, the, the American, cons, you know, the, uh, the embassy over there, but they decided to fly back. Um, they signed, they did no repairs, and I was able to keep that buyer on the hook for literally three months. And it was probably the hardest money that I've ever made to date. That uh, But I learned, boy, I learned to... I got baptism by fire in this industry real quick. <laughs> so, so, uh, long story long, that was it.
1: Well said. And so at that point, had they already signed the documents agreeing to the repairs? Yes. Okay. So they were they were going to be, I mean, obviously the buyers had recourse. They could have sued them for a specific performance and, or oh, something yeah. of that nature. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so crazy. Well, kudos to you, man, for getting through it. So <laughs> I'm assuming like a lot of things that you do, this was a follow-up game. So before we go deep into the real estate, what I want to talk about is you told me pre-show about the follow-up game that you had to do- go through to land your wife. So take us into that story, and then we can get into the mechanics of follow-up.
0: Okay, sounds great. So we, so I met my wife. She, uh, she was an engineer at Lockheed Martin. She was an uh, anti-defense um, missile engineer. She worked on the brand of the engineer. Anyway, I was impressed. She was basically uh, a nerd trapped in a pretty attractive uh, package there. And, uh, I was able to score the first date, you know, the first, you know, week or two after meeting her. And then it was two and a half years to get to the second date and a lot of, uh, pretty much, you know, 30 some odd years of follow-up skills went into play on this entire, um, experience where I didn't want to obviously come off as a creeper or weird or, you know, whatever. So it was like, you know, I, I knew she was probably dating a, a guy at that time. And so I just, you know, just kind of every quarter, Hey, how's it going? You know, we should go to a Ranger game or we should go to a Maverick game or we should whatever. And so she said, yes, my goal was to then go buy the tickets. I really didn't have the tickets in my hand. And so I would say, Hey, I've got, you know, Rangers tickets coming up. And she would three months later respond like, Oh, sorry, I've been busy. Like, Oh, great. So finally, you know, just working on her for two and a half years, I got the second date. And then it was another six months to get to get to the third date. Um, and about the time that I decided to become a full-time real estate agent, literally the day or two after I walked out of my last um, W-2 situation, she something switched in her head, and she she was ready to make a run at at uh, you know being together. So <laughs> it was it was a crazy, insane story, but it pretty much matches up with everything else, par for the course for me on following up. Thank God I did.
1: Yeah, let's dive into the specifics of this because I think this could be helpful for people not only that want to land a really great you know person, but also want to land some great sales. So talk to us about, like you said, you wanted to follow up and not make it creepy or not make it awkward. Obviously, you've given us some samples of the tickets, but how were you gauging mentally and emotionally what was creepy, what was not, how to structure the process?
0: Yeah, I, d- I just wanted to come across from uh, a genuine you know type um angle um you know i'm not you know in in, in the world of now where you direct messages and text all that stuff you know that's not the time uh to probably send a novel text it's something real quick it's something that's you know probably got a lot of thought involved in it but it doesn't i don't want it, it to appear as such it's just like hey i thought about you oh my gosh this happened and thought about you hey hope you're doing great you know something quick um and if she responded great if she didn't respond then it's like okay you know, I'll put a little note out in my calendar, maybe, you know, a few weeks out and I'll, I'll do something again or something will happen and I'll just, you know, hey, oh my gosh, I, you know, I know your dad was, a, you know, went to University of North Texas and I was at that game last week, you know, hey, it didn't, you know, crazy, it's, a, you know, homecoming. I don't know if I was probably sitting next to him. Oh, it's crazy. You know, something, <laughs> something like that. Uh, that's actually not a real example, but uh, just coming from, you know, if if I was, if it was me and I wanted to get somebody, you know, somebody to get my attention, what would I, you know, what would work for me? And it was kind of like, you know, how to come on strong, but, but play something different. Um, It's kind of my motto, I guess, so to speak, but not too often. What was going through her mind?
1: Yeah. What was going through her mind? So like, was she just like, no, 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 no. In her mind was it just like, Hey, I'm too busy to even think about anything.
0: (laughs) If I could get my wife's head and figure out what was in her mind, I'd be, oh, that'd that'd be a, a skill for, for the ages. But I think, uh, she, she was probably like, Hey, this guy's a good guy. He's probably a little bit goofy. I think I I, I usually, yeah. instead of being serious, I default to, to humor or something funny, uh, more so trying to be serious all the time. But I knew I knew I uh, one thing I did early on is I and I caught her voicemail and right. Who leaves voicemails in in, the, in our day and age? But if you're going to leave a voicemail, definitely don't be the oh, this is Ryan. Uh, just calling to see how you're doing. Here's my number. And you repeat it like three times. No, it, I, I think I did an impression. Of somebody that she didn't even know that was me on the voicemail. She thought I'd I'd handed the phone to somebody that was in the truck with me, and so she called me back. She goes, "I'm literally listening to this voicemail with my mom on speaker. We are dying. Who is that person that you handed your phone to?" And I was like, "That was me." <laughs> she was like, "What in the world?" So uh, I, things like that kind of got her attention. Um, so yeah, I just uh, I just wanted to keep it fun, keep it light, not be serious. You know why be serious? You're not even together. You're trying to get to that point but you know nobody wants to be around a serious person until it's time to be serious and those you know until you really know somebody you got to keep it light got to keep it funny got to keep it quick just you know something quick something something memorable and the whole and the whole goal is just to get a response whether it's good bad something oh man hey I'm, i'm tied up right now let me get back to you you know that's a win versus just nothing
1: you're just getting on people's radar. So let's talk about the the fun and light part. Does that carry into business for you? Like Absolutely. How much is it part of your mentality to keep it light with with prospecting? Absolutely. You know that.
0: Uh, you know when people buy and sell a, ho- a house, it's usually the the largest transaction that they'll ever do in their lifetime. It's the most definitely the most digits involved. Uh, it's a very emotional process for people, and it's pretty easy to get. You know, they wake up in the middle of the night sweating bullets over something that you know, depending on the price point, could be $500 issue, could be a $5,000 issue, could be a $50,000 issue. So there's going to be enough moments during the transaction where there's time to be serious. So when, when those aren't going on, which is the vast majority of the time, time to keep it light, try to keep it funny, you know, Hey, you know, that, you know, every time somebody asks you a question, it's like people ask you the same questions. It's like the same 10 or 15 questions that whether they buy 10 houses a year or 10 house, you know, one house every 10 years, people ask the same thing. And so instead of being annoyed by it or Whatever I just oh my goodness you'd be crazy that I have an investor he bought 10, 10 properties last month he asked me the exact same question you just asked me and you're like how many times have you done this and and they're like oh that's crazy you know so uh, th- those kind of examples just keeping it light and then you want them to, people to want to be around you they want to they want to reach out to you so it's not a beat down every time. So if you kind of make it funny, you make it light you make it, you know, you want to make it seem like reaching out to me is going to be a fun experience, whether it's two minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. People are more apt to come to you and they're more apt to refer people to you if they have a good time.
1: Totally. Let's talk about cadence. You kind of mentioned the every 90 days. What cadence do you like to follow when you're hunting down either your real estate deals or your real estate clients? Because I know you guys invest as well.
0: Yeah. So I, um, usually we're doing business with people that know us, uh, pretty much every transaction we do is either referral or uh, a repeat client. So when I'm, you know, I'm reaching out to people every 90 days, it's not me going after a direct hit. Um, Hey, are you interested in, you know, buying, selling, whatever I'm asking questions like, cause everybody knows somebody facing a life transitional, you know, issue, whether it's a marriage, divorce, loss of loved one, a birth, empty nest, or, um, You know, job loss, job change, relocation, want to, want to improve their schools. Everybody knows 10 or 15 people that fit that, that, that category. So, uh, when I know that that's kind of when I'm, I'm reaching out to people to find out who they know that just, just got, you know, served divorce papers. Hey, I know it's a weird question. Uh, we closed three deals last week that were direct referral from a divorce attorney. Hey, who do you know that's going through that? We can, we can help them. We're, you know, that's right. Um, that's right in our wheelhouse right now. Um. And usually people know, and if they don't know, then something will happen in the next few weeks that I want, I want that, my reach out to trigger that thought two or three weeks from now, two months from now, they go, man, you know what? Ryan Mclemore reached out to me two months ago asking about who I knew that was going through a divorce. My best friend just got blindsided by his spouse and oh, you know, here, that's how those, those things happen. Uh, versus, you know, going after somebody that's, Hey, you, are you going through divorce? That's weird. Or did you just lose a loved one? That's weird. Um, you know, so, you know, just keeping it light or you see something on Facebook that they're, you know, a lot of people are on spring break right now. So, oh, I saw you went to Disney or I saw you went skiing or whatever it is, man. How did you guys like Breckenridge? How did you guys like, you know, the beach in Florida and they'll get people talking and you're basically prospecting without even really bringing up real estate. When you're dealing with people that, you know, um, you know, they think you're, you're reaching out because you care and that's the goal because you do. But the underlying theme of that is, you know, when they, when they need your services, they will, they will of you because, oh my goodness, that guy just reached out because, you know, whatever they saw that I was at a, a cowboy game or they saw that, you know, and you just ask them questions about their life and then people will respond more in my experience to those kind of questions.
1: Yeah. You're at a place now where you can work exclusively off of repeat business and referrals. What was it like when you started? How did you implement your system or follow-up system into a brand new environment? Yeah, I, I wish I could tell you, oh, man, I had this, you know, uh, Rolls-Royce
0: type CRM system. Um, I actually didn't, and I still don't. I use a, the good old classic Excel spreadsheet. So I had, uh, you know, anytime I uh, reached out to somebody, I just made columns like, you know, uh, this, this column would be hot, a hot column, which is, you know, not a lot of people in it, obviously, when you're, when you're new. Uh, there's a warm, there's a potential, uh, and then there's just a column of people that I know. So I would just go through these people. You know, I'd try to reach out to 50 to a hundred a day, uh, seven days a week. So a lot of times people will hear that and go, oh my goodness, 50 people a day. You know, really when you get after it, that takes like three hours. Uh, and you don't have anything else to do because you're new. So, you know, what else are you going to do? Run around and, you know, act like you're busy. So, um, so I'd reach out to, you know, 50 to a hundred people a day and just, just doing those things, asking them about their life. Hey, what's going on? How's your new job? How's your kid's soccer? All my, you know, those kind of things. And then they see on the email, you know, Ryan, Ryan McLemore, Pinnacle Realty Advisors. Um, you don't have to tell them you're a real estate agent. They usually, they should know it or they, they'll figure it out. Um, you know, just following up, following up. And sure enough, you do that enough times, you know, after two or three weeks, somebody then fires back a question. Oh my goodness, my wife and I are looking for this or, or oh, this, this, you know, crazy scenario happened uh, to a buddy of mine. How You know, the, the questions start coming at you if you're consistently doing 50 to 100 people a day. When you're new. And that's what I did when I was new. And I had the Excel spreadsheet tracking, you know, who I reached out to on that day. And then as soon as somebody responded, they went from the just a list of, of all these people I knew right to a warm or potential or hot. And I'd switch them over in that column. And then, you know, every day I'd start my day looking at those columns, which were, were growing by the weeks. There'd be one or two people in it. Two or three weeks later, there'd be three people, four people, six people, you know. So I'm always keeping those kind of the warm and the hot and the potentials in my crosshairs while I'm still contacting, you know, the, the, the all the people that, you know, uh, and whether they lived 50 in a
1: hundred people a day is a lot. Uh, how did you get a list that could support 50 to a hundred people a day?
0: Uh, man, you could go, um, you know, obviously Facebook is a good place to start. And it was direct messages. It was direct messages, quick, two or three sentences, max, uh, direct messages, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, I don't have any thousands of people on LinkedIn. I don't, I don't, Get a lot from LinkedIn, but it's definitely something I pay attention to. Um, nextdoor.com is a was a huge thing for me. And that's uh, it exists all over the nation, pretty much where you can talk to your neighbors. And for the most part, most people who who are familiar with Nextdoor will will know that it's mostly people complaining about dogs, you know, using the restroom in their yard or, or dumb kind of stuff. Uh, you know, neighbors complaining about just completely, you know, off the wall subjects, but every now and then somebody will make a comment. Hey, do you know somebody who, um, you know, does flooring? Hey, do you know somebody who can fix a sprinkler system? Hey, do you know, you know, anybody who's looking, uh, who's a good realtor? Those kind of thing questions come out. And then I would just, you know, direct message them. You can even, uh, pull up people's addresses on nextdoor.com. You can click on their house and then you can direct message, um, those people that, that are on next door and you can see where they live. You can see if they own the property. Um, you know, sometimes you can find out if they have rentals, you know, if you start, obviously start seeing the same name on other houses in the neighborhood, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's got five rentals in, in this neighborhood here. Definitely somebody to follow up with, um, cause they're probably going to want to liquidate one of those before long. So, uh, next door was huge. Um, I was also involved in, uh, B and I business networking international when I started. Um, that was a huge thing where I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's a highly structured mm-hmm. Organization geared towards cultivating referrals um, by giving. So um, that's a you know that's a hu- that was a huge part of my business where I was involved for four years. Uh, I probably have one of the most unique stories about BNI is I was in BNI for four years and I got one referral from a member who referred themselves in four years. So most people then ask, Ryan, why in the world did you stay with BNI for four years if that was you know, the, the whole thing is geared towards members referring, you know, their, their buddies to you. Well, my, not to talk bad about the members at that time, but they were good people. Um, they had one profession per, uh, one seat per profession in there. So I was the only realtor, but we had insurance, uh, folks, we had four or five different attorneys. We had, you know, you name it profession in there. And, um, I would bring usually a visitor or two a week, uh, for four years. I think I had almost 400 visitors that I brought um, and I was president two times. And so when people, you know, you, you, when you become a realtor, there, there must be a sign on your back that says, please sell me something because our phones ring, you know, eight to 10 times a day with somebody trying to sell, you know, whatever, uh, sell, you know, lenders or advertising or, you know, whatever. So what I would do is I'd turn the conversation around and I'd invite them to the B&I meeting. Hey, I know you're not busy on, on Thursday morning at 7. AM. Cause if you say you are, you're lying. Uh, so, so I'd say, Hey. You know, you should come to this networking meeting with me and uh, you know, I'll I'll introduce you not only to myself, but four or five other people that you probably want to meet. Oh, great. Well, they would show up and then all of a sudden they would find out I was president by default. And then uh you know, of course I would meet with them, but I would get referrals from from the visitors that would come through the door. Um and then of course I'd add those people to my follow up list. So every visitor, whether I brought them or somebody else brought them, I would add them to my list. I'd have their contact information, I would follow up, follow up, follow up. So I'm just adding to my database. People that know that I exist, they've, I've, you know, I've, uh, shook hands with them at some point, looked them eyeball to eyeball and, and, you know, I'm just going to follow up with them until I find out they may pass away. And then when they do that, I'm going to follow up with their family members. Um, and that has, that has worked. I mean, just, just been unbelievable. So yeah, I have to give credit for being, and it also taught me how to, you know, how to give referrals and how to give referrals without asking for anything in return. Uh, so that's one thing I did early on is I knew, you know, somebody, you name anybody in the trades roof, you know, in Texas, um, you know, we, you don't have to have a license to be a roofer. So we have, you know, 18,000 roofers in the DFW area. Um, so I would hand those, those guys, you know, we just had big storms last night. Those guys are running around. Um, so I want to be a referral source for people call me, Hey, Ryan, do you have a good roofer? Yes, I do. Bam, you know, you give a roofer or give any anybody a, a referral on a silver platter and ask for nothing in return. Your phone's going to ring because they think they owe you something. So that that has been huge. Sorry to go on the BNI tangent there, but that if I did not mention that, I would be.
1: Um, I, I want to dive. I want to dive deep on. Yeah, I want to dive deep on this because I was in BNI. Okay. And my experience was a bit different than yours, uh, but I'm very, very big on you know. Re- Follow up relationships, communication, obviously, hence the podcast. So let's let's dive into your BNI four years. Only get one referral from the BNI members. You get tons of referrals from the people you brought into BNI. So BNI essentially for you functions like a a reason to invite people into your world. Did you kind of create a separate virtual BNI in in your world off the people you brought? Like yes. Were you still trying to refer all the people in BNI, given that they weren't referring to you, or like? Give us the full scope.
0: Yes, I would. I, I would still love on on everybody in, in BNI uh, because they were. You know, we tracked every metric possible in there. So, you know, the dead weight or the folks that just showed up just to show up, they usually didn't last very long. But the people that were in, the core members of our group, they were helping each other. So I would. You know, I was bending over backwards for those guys. Uh, but I did absolutely have a have a separate database for you know somebody that maybe not in the group or you know, hey, this guy. You know, this guy. Uh, you know, this may sound bad, but you know, every now and then I'd, I'd find out members of the group would have their house listed with somebody else. And I'm like, mm. you know, and you can't control that. And maybe that's their cousin or somebody at church that they know really well. But in those kind of instances, I would be a little bit slower to refer. I wouldn't hate on them or, you know, talk bad. It just it is what it is. But, you know, if somebody came and said, hey, I need somebody that does this. And if that if they had done that, I would then, you know, oh, I'll give a referral to somebody else. Uh, because when you're prospecting like you should be you're coming up with referrals for people I mean all day long I mean it is super easy for a, a real estate agent to come up with referrals for other people and if it's and if you think it's hard that means you're you're not you're not you're not in the trenches you're not getting your name out there um, the business with friends and my first question with with those kind of people is what kind of friends do you have because my friends aren't like that um, you know, I want to do business with people, I know, because you don't have to deal with the defense walls. You don't have to deal with the, usually the commission questions. You don't have to deal with the, you know, 15 objections when like, this is what I do all day, every day. You know, if I was the top brain surgeon of the country, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ask me 10 questions about where I'm making the incision at. You just trust me to know what I'm doing because, you know, uh, you, you, you somebody that was close to you referred me. So when you're dealing in, in a warm market, um, you're not having to overcome a ton of, of objections. Um, and that's when, when I am and somebody's kind of hit me with like a machine gun of, of some animosity. That's, you know, usually from a pretty cold scenario. Um, and I don't, I don't like, I'm not a fan of that. So I try to keep myself out of ever having to deal with somebody who doesn't know me or who wasn't referred in a warm situation to me because it's just not, it's not fun.
1: Let's go into the messaging itself. So give me what the message is when you're reaching out to somebody for the first time. And then kind of give me the cadence of what happens like with with the referral of how you continue that relationship, you know, forever.
0: Sure. So first time I reach out um, is usually, hey, uh, hopefully I can I can tag a name to it. You know, I got your information from, you know, Joe over here said said a lot of good things about you. Um, Hey, if you ever run across somebody who's um, you just got married, looking to, you know, uh, just got married or had a baby looking to, to um, uh, upgrade in their, their housing situation. Maybe they need an extra bedroom or they need a larger house. or uh, they want to improve their school district. Hey, let me know. I'd love to help them. Uh, we just closed a deal in your area. Uh, those kind of things where it's like, you know, it's not a total cold reach out. It's I can peg a name to it of somebody that they know and, um, kind of warm it up where I've done some work in your, in your area. And I thought it was a good, good idea to, to connect with you and, and also throw this, you know, I want somebody to think of an exact referral, um, you know, target versus like, hey, if you know anybody, you know, you know, anybody looking to buy or uh, trade real estate, let me know. Well, that doesn't help somebody think of a specific thing in their head. Um, You know, I want them to say, hey, do you know anybody who who may have lost a loved one? They have a property that they just, you know, just kind of sitting out there falling apart. um, We can help you. And then, you know, everybody knows somebody that's lost a loved one. Um, And if there's real estate tied to it, usually it's something that they don't want to deal with. Uh, a lot of times uh, the property is, you know, maybe a, a hoarding type situation, which it seems to be our, our niche lately, uh, where, uh, you know, the family member, maybe it was estranged. Um, and those kind of folks, maybe they, they a lot of times die alone. And then the family that's surviving, uh, probably, they might not even be in the state, they could be from across the country. Next thing you know, they're dealing with, you know, a family member they hadn't talked to in three years, they've passed away, they come and see their house where they've been living, it looks like a train wreck it looks like the show hoarders uh and they're just like I don't want to deal with this get me out of here and then we show up and say hey if we give you 50,000 for this house that after we have value maybe 300 would you take it and most of the time they're like yeah great you know and we can help them navigate the probate uh deal and uh, get around that whole fiasco if they want to and be you know and be done with it in 7 to 10 days um sorry to kind of go on that tangent there but um but yeah, when you're constantly reaching out to people with a specific example, then that, that that scenario will usually land right back in your lap pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I got a so person going through this. You... Exactly, yeah. And let's talk about how you craft that message because you guys serve buyers and sellers and you invest and there's so many things that you do and yet you're narrowing it down. How do you pick that one thing you asked for? And does that thing ever change? Do you kind of reveal more of, of what you want over time?
0: Yeah, uh, every person is obviously different. So if if I can do a little bit of research um, on when I reach out to that person, and sometimes people will say, oh, I need to research this person I'm about to call, and they do that for three hours. Um, I'm not talking about doing that because that's a big waste of time, but you maybe five, ten minutes. Try to find out a little bit about that person that you're about to reach out to, whether it's from the referral that just, you know, the person who referred you or the Internet or something. um, You'll be amazed how you can relate to most people just with one sentence. Hey, I saw that You know, you like to hunt and fish, or I saw that you, you may be from, you know, another state, or I saw that you, you know, you, this is your profession, uh, where you work, um, you know, and you can usually people, if you can, you can find something to, to relate to somebody, their defense wall comes down. They're more apt to give you the information that you're after. They're more apt to want to do business with you, like you trust you, all those things. So, uh, to answer your question, I just try to find out a little bit about that person. And it's not the same song and dance. Absolutely not. Every time it's a little bit different. Based on what information I have, and if I don't have a lot of information, um, this is kind of what uh, what I do on the phone. If I'm really, if I'm calling somebody cold, which is usually pretty rare, you know, I'm saying, "Hey, uh, is, is this is this Matt?" And they'll say, "Yeah, the Matt Kavanaugh, the one and only." And how they respond to that question is going to tell me how how this is going to play out. If they go, "Yeah, who's this?" You know, then I'm like, oh, we're, "We just became best friends." If they're if they're still yeah, what do you want? Then I'm like, okay, I better get to the point and I better get to the point real quick. Um so so those kind of tricks um have really helped me uh you know, uh you know, get get what I want from the from get the information I want from that person and get them to like me and trust me. In most cases it doesn't work every time but um works more often than not.
1: So carrying down that lens, you get somebody that wants you get to the point. You get to the point on that call, but do you do recognize, hey, maybe that person's not the best referral partner? Or is it just, hey, this person still likely will be a great referral partner, but I have to just treat them very differently.
0: Yeah, I mean, everybody should be a referral partner. Uh, that's your ultimate
1: goal. Is whether they want to do business with
0: you directly or not. Great. I want I want to impress them enough where like next time next time something happens, and they, and there's real estate, you know, there's a real estate, um, you know, piece of uh, real estate in the equation. I want them to think of me. So um, you know, it's, it's, Hey, you may not be the guy now, but Hey, um, you know, if you know anybody that's lost a loved one here recently, there's a, there's a house that just, you know, a piece of property that's just kind of, you're dealing with, um, you know, we can help people out. Um, you know, we can basically help you walk away from a situation where you have some money in your pocket. You get out of the deal pretty quick. Um, you roll on to the next thing. Um, we have resources we can buy it, or we have, you know, make a couple phone calls and we'll have people fighting in the street over it. Um, but if you know anybody like that, let us know, we'd be happy to help because if they don't, they could get taken advantage of. And that's the last thing I want somebody to do is somebody take advantage of you. Um, But we'll play with all of our cards face up. Um, We'll give you a few options. And if you like those options, great. If not, um, no big deal. Maybe you think about us the next time something happens or the next time, you know, you run into somebody that needs some help. And I keep it light. I don't, I don't, uh, I keep it just quick. Uh, I get to the point and I want them to, you know, get off the phone or get out of the interaction with me thinking, hey, that guy knows what he's doing. Um, whether I like him or not, he probably knows what he's doing. He's probably done it a lot of times and maybe, maybe we send somebody his way.
1: So let's talk about the follow-up sequence. So let's say you have a first message, you state what you want. I want X type of person. And they're like, cool, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I find someone like that. Where does it go from there?
0: Um, after that, I'll put him on my, my follow-up. Well, you know, I don't want to follow up tomorrow. On, on it, you know. If they say, "Oh yeah," usually they're, they're just say, hey, "If I have somebody, uh, you know, I'll think of you." Uh, people usually say that to kind of get you off the phone or you know get on to their next task of the day. That their, their, their goals during the day are not to talk to you, um, and I realize that. So, if they kind of, you know, it usually takes six to six to eight times to follow up with people before you get, you hit pay dirt, so to speak. So I know that the first interaction, the, the chances of me calling somebody for the first time and then they call me a week later with you know, a scenario that we can help them out and is very low. Uh, But if I follow up with them enough times, you know, so at the beginning, um, usually it's about two weeks to a month out after the first, you know, interaction. And then after that month, it's probably another month or two before I reach out again. And then I kind of put them on my quarterly, quarterly follow-up. What I don't do, uh, I usually wait two or three times before uh, I don't send them any kind of Facebook. To me, I think, when somebody talks to me the first time and then sends me a Facebook request, I think that's weird. But after the first time I talk to him, I, I send him a LinkedIn request pretty quick. Um, and then that way I can kind of keep tabs on, you know, anything that may be going on in their world, job change, job promotion, whatever that should come up on my alerts. Then I can use that as a, as a way to reach out to them. Um, Hey, I really like that article you posted, man, that resonated with me. I like the fact that this, you know, whatever, uh, people love that stuff. Um, you know, so I follow up at pretty much every quarter. If it kind of goes, if it's cold, it's an every quarter thing. Follow up, follow up, follow up. Um, just looking for some some way to relate to them. Hey, I saw that. You know, you 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 work at, let's say Lockheed, for example. I saw Lockheed acquire this. It's crazy, uh, and they're expanding over here in in Fort Worth and Grand Prairie. Oh man, it must be must be good times over there. And they usually get back. Oh man, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, you know uh, whatever's going on. So, uh, you know, I usually leave it also open ended where where I ask them a, you know, a question or two, not like, Hey, how's it going? You know, Hey, I saw you. I saw you were in Florida last week. What part, you know, what city were you in again? And then they'll ask an open ended question. They'll usually respond. The whole goal is to get a response. That's the, that's the key for me.
1: So first message out the gate is here's who I serve. Do you know anybody? Then from that, it becomes a little bit more of you just recognizing what's going on in the world and commenting on that and trying to open it up. Yes. So, and then from there, eventually that goes to quarterly. Like, how do these t- relationships typically evolve? Like, so you're hitting them right away, two weeks to a month later, a month after that. And each of the ones after the initial message are just things about them.
0: Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's maybe a success that we have. If, you know, i I use the fishing analogy all the time. I'm a big fisher. If, if things are, if the lure isn't working, I'm switching that sucker out pretty, pretty often. It's never coming in with the same message twice. Uh, so sometimes it may be about them. Sometimes it may be about something that I did. Um, yeah. like I think I sent, sent a message in like this one's been big the last couple of weeks is, oh my gosh, we got, we got a seller to pay or a buyer to pay $325,000 over their appraisal value two weeks ago. And I send a picture of the house with the caption it sold for 1.375 million here's the ad, you know all those things and and people go wow so so if, if the thing about them isn't working hey what's going on in your world then i'll okay switch it up maybe the third or fourth time i'll reach out this is what i just did last week crazy it's supposed to be a um you know a buyer's market so to speak well not in this scenario <laughs> so i'll just try anything uh i guess the, the shock value sometimes or um hey I'll, sometimes i'll look up where they live not to be a super creeper but us real estate agents we know we can we have access to all this data so i try to use it hey did you know this house two streets over sold for this amount in three days they apparently had multiple offers didn't know if you knew that they probably do uh, but something like hey i thought about you you know didn't know that uh did, just wanted to get this information to you did you know that that house sold two streets over did you know that they had multiple offers did you know that it wasn't even updated, you know, stuff like that, you know, just to get them to go, Oh man. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but just, just want to come on strong and play something different. And also I think to myself, what, what are most real estate agents, if they're even prospecting, what are they saying? In most real estate agents, they're saying the same thing that their trainer taught them to say is, you know, I'm reading from a script or whatever. It's not genuine. Um, so I'm trying to do anything, but be that agent. I don't, you know, Real estate agents are a dime a dozen. I think in Texas we have almost, almost 200,000. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we have almost 50,000 real estate agents. Um, but there's only a, you know one or two percent that actually gross over 100,000 a year. It's Two percent gross over 100,000 a year, and one percent gross over 250 a year. Well, I don't want to do what the other 98 percent of these guys are doing. I want to do what the top the top ones are doing, and they're probably not coming you know coming across the same the same message 50 times a day. They're probably super genuine super different, super unique, um, to actually, you know, care about the person. Um, and that resonates with people. People want to do business with people that they like and trust, and they don't like and trust people that sound like a machine.
1: Totally. So let's, let's talk about what your day looks like, because I mean, you're talking about reaching out to 50 to hundred people a day. Right? Is that still what you're doing or that's what you did at the beginning? Oh, heck no.
0: That's what I did. At the,
1: <laughs> that's what I did at the beginning over, over time. You should get to a point where
0: your time for prospecting is 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 pretty low because you you're you're running, uh, you're running to go you know get deposits into your bank account. Um, you're not you know running. That's another story. It's like you can you can find a thousand things to fill your day with, but are those things actually leading to a deposit in your bank account? When you hear closed and funded from the title company, most of the time the answer is no, but you feel good because you can pat yourself on the back for all this busy work you did. Um, but you know, over time you, you start recognizing what activities are actually producing income and what activities, um, are a big waste of time. So, so, uh, I don't pro- I usually prospect, you know, 30 minutes here or there during, I probably did in a given week. It's probably, you know, hour and a half in a week now. Um, where if I catch downtime, it may be 15 minutes like, Ooh, I got, I got 15 minutes for the next meeting. Bam. I jump on my Excel spreadsheet and here's, you know, 10 people that I haven't reached out to in in a long time and bam, 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 you know, Hey, how's it going? And then phone rings and I'm off running again. Um, but that's the goal is to get so busy that your phone is ringing with people that need your services that you don't really have a lot of time to prospect. But in the same vein, um, if you're not continuing to, you know, kind of move the needle, you always want to make time for that because if you pat yourself on the back, uh, saying that you're busy, I don't need to prospect anymore. That's a, that's a slippery slope. Um, you know, you've got, you've got to continue to push the envelope with, with people because, uh, they will forget. And there's, there's, everybody knows 10 agents, their neighbor, their cousin, people at church, you know, so you got to kind of, you got to be in front of them. Um, or they're going to use somebody else and, and nothing makes you more, me more mad is when a sign goes up and a neighbor, a stinking neighbor of mine will have a sign up in their yard and I'll just lose it. <laughs> like, right. you know, I, di- I discounted my own neighbor. Um, you know and so when, it, when i do find those kind of people the first question oh i see your house is for sale how'd you what did that agent say to get the to get you to hire them i love that yeah. question um it because their answer usually hacks me off even more because it's like oh well uh, my my cousin told me about them and said they were good I'm like that's uh, you know kick myself right in the backside. shame on me i should have should have should have called them
1: what does your guys' volume look like as far as like how much business are you doing a year? We do, uh, in the last year, uh, uh, we're closing anywhere
0: from five to, to probably seven deals um, a month. Sometimes we'll close three uh, deals. We've closed three deals in a single day um, last year a couple of times. One time we closed five deals in a single day last year. So last year our business actually doubled um, where we did, we did uh, let's see, we did about 54 deals last year. Personal retail deals, not counting wholesales and flips, Um, and that was, you know, in a time when I when I got I was diagnosed with leukemia, and went uh, in May of last year. So crazy! I actually closed three deals while I was in in the ICU. I closed um, three deals from the ICU bed. Uh, So it was in. That's not funny, but it is funny at the same time. Uh, Three while I was in, in the ICU for six days. We closed three deals, and then and then you think that oh my goodness, we're you know going to be dealing with doctors and appointments and drugs and all this kind of stuff, and then we got busier during that time. Um, the referrals just kept coming in, but we we do um, you know to answer your question, sometimes you know a minimum of five deals a month, but usually it's it's a little bit more than that, um, just so because what, we when
1: yeah. Give me a ballpark of how much gross commission that is. And then give me an idea also of what is your marketing spend to get that? It doesn't seem like it's very much.
0: We don't spend a dime on marketing. Uh, We uh, last year, I believe we, we uh, grossed 647,000. We didn't spend anything on marketing. It was all referrals, all repeat. Um, We had, um, you know, our gross, we're we're making, you know, five, uh, 50 to 60 K uh, let's say thirty thousand on a bad month, fifty to sixty k on a good month. Uh, sometimes we've made hundred thousand dollars in a week. Um, those I have to just pinch myself. You know, I know a lot of guys that are, that come on the on the podcast are you know 200, 200, uh you know deals a year or that you know most agents can't relate to that. Uh, but when you say, oh my goodness, I made hundred thousand dollars last week, um, I have to pinch myself because that's obviously more than I used to make as in a W two scenario. And I'm like, oh, I made that in a week, or I've even made that in a day. You know, you close three three deals in one single day, uh, which we did three times last year. Um, that That is, you have to like pinch yourself. You're like, oh my goodness, they, they actually sent me, the title company sent a wire to my bank account. And then, and then two hours later, another title company did. And then 30 minutes after that, another title company sent that money to my bank account in one day. That was more than I used to make in a stinking year in one day. <laughs> And it was all from people that I knew or referrals or repeats. I mean, we've had, uh, we've got three clients we've done seven deals with. These aren't investors, these are normal retail. And one client we've represented eight times. Um, and so, and that the guy that I represented eight times, I met at a Starbucks. Um, I was, I had a phone call, had a real estate phone call happen. I answered the phone call, talked for however long, 10 minutes. He turns around and goes, Hey, are you a realtor? I was like, Yes. He goes, Hey, I need some help. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, and that led, led to eight deals
0: oh, and counting. So diving uh, into
1: this deeper. 647000 dollars in gross commission, no marketing spend. What is it? What is your net income on that look like on that GCI?
0: Net income. Um we uh, here's another tangent: is we do not we do not pay uh broker splits, we don't have caps, we don't have per transaction fees. To me, that is total BS. Um if you You know, after you have 10 or 15 deals under your belt, um, if you still need your broker, if you still need the the Kool-Aid, so to speak, now I know this is going to turn a lot of people off, but this is the stinking truth, and I don't have anybody ever fight me on this. After you've done 15 deals, what are you still relying on your broker for? For stinking leads? Leads are cold calls. Leads are stinking cold calls. Um, You know, if you haven't figured out how to get your phone to ring from referrals, you know, to get to, to, to one, to close 10 deals, you've already beaten 90-something percent of all real estate agents that have their license. So if you make it that far, you obviously are doing something right. Um, but to, to to go, you know, you really don't need the tools. And, the, and you know, a lot of times brokers, you know, they recruit us all the time, right? Every Well, I've been sitting here. Uh, somebody sent me some, you know, recruiting message on my LinkedIn talking about the tools, talking about the technology that they have. Well, that, you know, that may, that's stage talk to me. Um, if you're relying on your broker to to provide you with the tools, that means you're probably not going to be in the business very long. Uh, so long story short, we pay a monthly fee, like a gym membership. We pay $199 a month, uh, and we keep 100% of every commission check we make. My broker gets none of
1: it. Um, your, your brokerage costs are a little bit less than $2,400 a month and then $2,400 a year. I mean, you're, sorry, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so then essentially you're going to have some cost with listing signage, marketing, et cetera. But I mean, is it is it fair to say that you're netting like very close to $600,000 in your pocket? Uh, over that, six, over
0: yeah. that. Oh yeah, I mean, if it's sign, you know, I've paid for signs like uh, seven or eight years ago. Our, our you know, MLS dues, we're, we're part of uh, a few MLS, you know, uh, Dallas, Austin, Houston, Corpus Christi, San Antonio. Those are our MLS dues that we pay. Um, it's probably not even 8,000 a year for those, um, key fees, (laughs) a couple thousand bucks. Um, other than that, it's, uh, pretty low. (laughs) So, so we keep our, my whole, my whole goal is I want, you know, how much money are you keeping after each transaction? Um, if your broker is taking it you know, you know, let's say you have a cap scenario. Oh, you have a cap scenario and and I get, you know, stock options or whatever it is that they, they package that up and give it back to, you No, give me my own cash. Let me do what I want to with it. Let me get my own stocks. Let me get my own, uh, whatever with it. Let me get my own flips. Let me get negotiate, you know, use that cash to go buy properties. Um, you know, I don't want to give that to anybody because they, you know, they, they didn't earn it. I did.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's all
0: yeah it's all about what you can keep uh it, it blows my mind when you know if i have a seasoned uh, agent you know i talk to um and i'll say hey man how much did you pay in broker fees last year the answers i i just want to hit the floor i cannot believe that somebody would pay 30 40 80,000 100,000 8,000 a year to their broker they better be naming a child after you after that <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what do they do to well, they they're just great, and I could never leave them. I'm like, why? You should like what? Uh, so <laughs> sorry to go on a tangent there. I just, uh, and I think that's a lot of a lot of the reason why a lot of agents fail early on is because they do their first ten deals. the broker took, you know, a pretty darn good chunk of it. Uh, therefore, they had to go back and get a job.
1: Totally. Wow. Let's talk about the fact that you. Uh, essentially have a uh like an officiating college background so like i'm like super super curious like because i love the nfl too uh how like what's your take on the officiating in the nfl is it good is it bad like are people giving them officials too hard of a time i don't
0: think so i you know those guys and girls in the nfl
1: are the best officials on planet
0: earth hands down Um, if they're, if they don't like a call, if they don't like a certain official, well, then go try to find somebody who's better than them and their search is going to last forever. (laughs) By the time you get to that level, you have a ton of experience. You've called the the biggest college games on the planet. Um, you know, under the microscope with 18 to 24 cameras from every angle, uh, you know, those, those guys and girls, when they make it to the NFL, they are, they are ready. The interview process is pretty stringent. Um, you know, it's, you know, very rarely do the, do those officials ever get hired the first time that they're interviewed, they're usually interviewed and then they watch them for several more years before they actually make it to the big time. So, um, you know, but the sometimes I always, if you don't like the officiating at whatever level you're watching seventh, eighth grade, high school, whatever one, great. They're taking applications. You know, if you can fog a mirror, you can start officiating. If you don't like what you're seeing, Throw the stripes on and get out there. Get after it. We'll we'll, we'll coach you up. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. So the yeah they're 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 pretty good. They're the best. Like I said, they are
1: NFL officials are the best on the planet,
0: and there's there's no argument.
1: Do you have Do you have aspirations of officiating in the NFL?
0: Oh yeah. If if I said no, you know I'd be lying. Um, I actually do. I get to be a part of uh, uh, the on-field instant replay review. Uh, for the NFL where it's basically a, a, a sideline role so whenever you see a, a challenge or review um, that happens during the game there's there's a couple guys with tablets there on the field and the the, the referee comes over and they hand them a headset and they stand there with the tablet uh, that's what I've that's what I do on on most Sundays um, and uh, that you know we get to hear um, you know the officials talk during the game and you know how they talk and what they're looking at and so just being, a, just being a fly on the wall for that entire process is just, I mean, I would pay to get to do that, but um, they, uh, yeah, so to answer your question, I would love to be an NFL official. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of growth that I need to, that needs to happen in my career before I ever should expect that, that phone call. Um, so, but I would be, I would be doing double backflips. It would be, that would be more exciting than any real estate transaction ever. If I ever got that call that said you're hired in the NFL.
1: <laughs> That's so awesome. Cause it's a part-time gig too. Right. So you, I mean, it's uh, you could really do it.
0: Oh yeah. That was uh, um, the reason why my wife went full-time into real estate from Lockheed is because, you know, on Saturdays, it's not the day to go, to go MIA in real estate. Right. Um, <laughs> so she got licensed to help me out during football. Cause on Friday you kind of go off the radar, you fly into your city. Uh, on a Friday night, you're doing your pregame with your officials. Uh, you know, Saturday, depending on what time your game is, could be eleven o'clock kick, could be a, a late kick. You know, you 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 that's not the time to be negotiating real estate deals. You know, forty five minutes before kickoff, you're you're zoned in. I mean, you're watching film. You're you're you you know the coaches' uh, middle names. You know all the star players. You know their stats. So you're doing all that on Friday and Saturday, and a lot of times during the week. So she got licensed because um, our business couldn't handle me going off the radar like that um, Friday through Sunday. So, uh, yeah, that was a part-time job for most of those officials. And, uh, and it's funny how a lot, a lot of real estate deals have come out of, uh, I think last year we did, you know, I think 11 or 12, uh, deals with football officials that I know or their families. Um, so yeah, we get paid to be a football official, but you know, I, use, you know, by default, um, we've been able to do a good portion of our business each year is coming from that, that, that part-time hobby, uh, that I have. So how fun, that's exciting.
1: So tell me what's the vision for your business the next 12 to 18 months.
0: We, um, shoot, man, we've got a, uh, a two-year-old, we've got a, one on the way and, you know, we've been running the gunning for a long time. Uh, so we, we're trying to expand as far as, you know, developing agents that can, I think it's you know a little bit uh, naive for me to think that, uh, you know, we can find agents that are, that can run like we are, but if I can, we can find and develop, you know, uh, 10 or 15 more agents that, that can, you know, be somewhat as good as, as we are with their own twist. That would be great. We, we can't run like this forever. Uh, so we're, we're looking to, you know, develop a few uh, agents in uh, the cities that we work in so that we can just say here, you know, uh, that's a hard thing for me. Cause when you get a referral from somebody that, you know, you know, the kind of job that you're going to do, so to kind of give up that control and roll the dice with an agent that may or may not, you know, be as good as you are uh, with somebody that, you know, lack like, and trust or love that, um, you know, it's hard for me. Um, but, you know, try to find those, those, those agents and develop them to, the, to a level that, um, you know, that we, that we expect just, to, just so that we're not, we're not in the trenches every day.
1: Well, Ryan McLemore, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business. There's so many things that people can take note of. I mean, you just gave us the blueprint from the messaging, the cadence, the frequency of how to build a $647,000 a year GCI business that nets over 600K. So thank you for giving that, guys. Write down what you learned. Share it with somebody who knows they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And as you take steps day by day, you move closer before you know it, you're going to live a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.